This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, this is Sharmila Ganesan. Tonight, our underappreciated care economy. First up, we look at the important role that care workers play in our country's growth and how to get them their due. And then we hone in on why the care economy is particularly essential as we move towards becoming an aging society. So tell us, how can we increase appreciation for care workers? And what kind of support would you like when it comes to caring for your elderly family members? You can call 77332900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.07 and um, the care economy, of course, is something that gets brought up a lot, particularly um, post-pandemic as there's been a uh, a recognition that um, there is an underappreciation of the role that care work performs within our various industries, within um, our economy overall. And that's primarily because um, there are, of course, also two aspects to this. On the one hand, there is the more formal, uh, structured idea of what the care economy can be, whether it is uh, caring for children or caring for uh, the elderly or uh, the more... uh, the the sort of care that goes into um, individuals that require... Caring for health, but beyond medical professionals, but a more daily, regular kind of care work. But there is also the unpaid labour that goes into the care economy, um, which doesn't get accounted for nearly enough. So, for instance, in a report by the International Labour Organization, this was pre-pandemic. Globally, women perform more than three times as much unpaid care work as men do. Um, and when it comes to Asia and the Pacific, this number actually increases to 80%. Um, meanwhile, um, there has been increasing calls for uh, policymakers to come up with gender um, gender sensitive policies that take this into account um, and to also um, empower these sorts of unpaid care workers within our economy. So, um, of course, the I Sayang was one initiative that was introduced by the government last month, which allows the husband, uh, who's the EPF contributor, to transfer 2% of their contribution to their wife's EPF account. So, one small step towards uh, perhaps recognizing the role of care work. But there is so much more that needs to be done. And this is particularly because... um, At least in one aspect, the care economy plays a very important role when it comes to um, our movement, our moving into being an aging society. Because um, it's found in a World Bank study that at least 14% in Malaysia are expected to be aged by 2044. This is expected to um, reach, exceed 20% by 2056, which will make us a super aged nation. Um, And with that comes an urgent need to put in place care infrastructure and um, ways in which we are going to accommodate for this increasing number of 
aged citizens who will need very specific specialised kind of care, uh, which again um, needs to be done in a way that decreases the burden on their family members while also respecting their needs and their physical, emotional and mental health. So a lot to unpack here. Um, and we are going to start by talking, we are going to start by talking about um, the role that care workers play within our country's economy and essentially how to increase the sort of appreciation that they are getting. Um, later on, we will hone in on this notion of um, us being an ageing society and where care work comes into that. Very shortly, we will be speaking with Ahmad Ikram, who is the Senior Policy Advisor at the Asia Foundation Malaysia, as well as um, their, their, their Care Economy Project lead. But let us know, uh, we'd like to hear from you, how can we increase appreciation for care workers? What kind of support would you like when it comes to caring for your elderly family members? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Begin Free Malaysia. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It's 6.12. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila. And we're speaking about the care economy and uh, the sort of policies and changes that we need to see uh, in order to increase appreciation for those who are part of our care economy. We want to hear from you as well. How can we increase appreciation for care workers? And what kind of support would you like when it comes to caring for your elderly family members? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Ahmad Ikram, who goes by G. He's the senior policy advisor at the Asia Foundation Malaysia. He's also their care economy project lead. G, thanks for speaking with us today. So let's start with what the quote-unquote care economy is and the role that it plays in Malaysia's overall economic development and growth. There are many different definitions of what uh, care economy is. Uh, in our view, uh, care economy is essentially all the activities that people perform to take care of their children, elderly and those who are disabled. Now, most care workers in the world are women. Uh, study by the ILO said uh, uh, more than 75%, and they number to around uh, 1 billion people. Uh, why is this important to Malaysia's economic growth? There is a strong economic dimension in, in this. Uh, most of the care providers are women, and many of them drop off from the labor force simply because they need to care for their loved ones. Um, now, the issue here is that uh, uh, this leads to the impact on the country's economy in terms of uh, lower high-skilled female participation in the labour force, as well as a smaller tax base. So could you give us some examples of roles that would fall under the care work that often go unappreciated, particularly when it comes to their contribution to our economy? Um, the... Care workers, who are they? Uh, we are looking at uh, not only the caregivers, uh, in this case, whether they're trained or untrained, uh, and most of them are women and unpaid, uh, but we're also looking at uh, the nurses, um, therapists, uh, psychologists, uh, the social workers, counselors, um, and, and also those uh, uh, in the support services, uh, such as the eateries, you know, household chores, you know. Uh, those who are involved in cooking, grocery shopping, uh, housing developers, in a way, uh, care product 
products producers like special needs equipment, bed wheelchairs, etc. So you can see that there are many people involved in the care economy ecosystem uh, to the point that globally, if care is an economy by itself, it is the third largest economy in the world. So have we seen a shift in the way care work is perceived as Malaysia develops and as concerns around the economy and workforce change? Yes, definitely. Um, just to highlight probably three uh, issues here. Number one is uh, there is a technological change uh, and advancement in terms of speed and uh, utilization. Uh, for example, in the healthcare industry, uh, uh, Things have changed uh, as, as because it is necessitated as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, uh, we are forced, for example, to change from in-person consultations to telemedicine using apps, uh, videos, video phones, and, and things like that. Um, uh, secondly, we're also looking at uh, mindset and cultural change. Uh, people have gained acceptance to not only digital care work, but also its use. Example, food uh, delivery is a big business in Malaysia, and it has direct impact on care services too. Um, and and the, the third thing is that you see uh, growing awareness or change uh, to have women enter and retain in the workforce. Uh, at the moment, the uh, women labor force participation rate is about 56%, uh, which has been pattern over the years. And the target uh, has always been 59% by 2025. So uh, there is change in awareness. Uh, that people need uh, to have more women in the workforce because it is an issue uh, that would uh, affect uh, a result in economic opportunity loss to the country for having low or stagnant uh, FDR. A fourth uh, a change would be the demographic change where now you will have, you will see Malaysia becoming an aging population where two out of 10 uh, of, uh, of the of people in Malaysia, uh, me included of course, will be over 60 by 2040. So you have technological changes, mindset and cultural changes, social economic change and demographic changes. And these have, you know, all impact on uh, the way care economy is seen. So you uh, touched on this earlier. One of the concerns when it comes to the care economy is that it is essentially, there is a lot of unpaid care work. Let's hone in on that. Um, is it possible to change this? And how should the government go about that? The, again, most of the care work that is provided are, are unpaid. Um, we, we are still looking at uh, trying to find ways on how the government uh, can provide uh, some uh, incentives or uh, assistance into this. Uh, already we are seeing uh, 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 some you know, effort from the government uh, to provide intervention in terms of uh, budget allocations. Uh, we see, for example, the recent budget, 2023, there have been some um, uh, suggestions and proposals to, to uh, alleviate uh, uh, the, the need for families, especially in terms of uh, taking care of their children. Uh, but uh, we are uh, trying to find out also on what, you know, uh, other aspects that the government can, can play into uh, alleviating the, the uh, issue about unpaid care work. So, of course, the reason behind caregiving roles being unpaid and, in fact, underappreciated often lies in cultural and traditional ideas of family and community. Could you talk to us about this and how we can shift away from this mindset? 
Definitely. Um, there is a very strong uh, cultural norms and values uh, involved in this. Uh, women and girls are seen as traditional caregivers. Uh, based on the, uh, our preliminary discussion research, we find that uh, this is actually uh, part of perhaps uh, the way we are brought up. Uh, I remember, for example, as kids, uh, uh, girls are supposed to help uh, in the kitchen while the boys will go fishing or play soccer. Uh, nowadays, probably they are playing video games and, and, and whatnot. Um, but this is definitely uh, a new area, another area that uh, uh, that has been uh, discussed. But uh, we are more uh, inclined to look at care economy uh, from the economic standpoint rather than the cultural uh, or social standpoint. So in March, the government announced uh, the ISAYANG, which enables husbands to voluntarily transfer 2% of their EPF contribution to their wife's account. What did you make of this? Do you think it's a step in the right direction when it comes to recognising the care economy? Uh, definitely. Um, any uh, new policies or interventions uh, that support uh, uh, the care economy would be very much welcome, and uh, the ISI initiative is notwithstanding. Um, uh, this is something that uh, uh, very much encourage. If we have more of those, we need more of those. Um, we, as I mentioned earlier, we we can also see that there has been uh, some positive steps uh, towards supporting recognizing care economy in the recent budget. Uh, um, but I think we we will need more of those than the. The question is whether uh, such incentives uh, would be effective or would there be uh, more structural issues that are uh, ingrained in the system that needs uh, more or stronger uh, intervention from the government. Of course, this conversation around care work isn't just unique to Malaysia, but I'm curious, are there issues and concerns that are specific to us? Malaysia is an economic, uh, uh, an advanced middle-income country, or AMIC, uh, which is currently uh, countries with GNI per capita of between 4,000 to 20,000 USD. Now, these are countries that have graduated from low income, but have yet to reach uh, high income. Uh, there are characteristics of AMICs, uh, low poverty rate, uh, large middle class, more organized, uh, greater in-country capacity to solve own issues. Um, but CE or care economy is relatively new in Malaysia. Uh, there is growing interest uh, and awareness of the importance of uh, care economy and the need for women uh, to be in the workforce. Uh, demand for care economy is increasing as we become more uh, advanced uh, nation. Uh, we are moving towards an aging population. Do we see the same set of issues or does Malaysia have a different set of problems? My answer to that would be yes to both. Uh, issues in care economy are the same everywhere. Uh, for example, more women are in care work, they are unpaid. Uh, there's lack of data, lack of research. Um, uh, there needs to be, uh, uh, we need to factor in care economy to the country's GDP. Uh, we need to formalize and recognize uh, care work. Uh, there needs to be centralizations of care services, and these are all issues that are shared uh, by, by most of the countries. Uh, the difference is that uh, the levels of policy responses uh, are different. Uh, for example, more advanced economies will have more specific policy offerings, uh, such as incentives, 
or even direct financial assistance, a more structured uh, care economy ecosystem and, and, and more awareness. So that would be the different difference. So are there countries that we could look to for inspiration on how to develop our own care economy? Uh, there is really no um, one-size-fits-all you know, solution to this. Uh, we found that different countries uh, have different uh, um, solutions uh, to, to care economy, uh, the problem or the issues that they have in their own country. Um, but we do find uh, some best practices uh, uh, in some countries, for example, uh, in, in Japan, uh, the increased use of uh, uh, technology in the form of robots, for example, uh, uh, in, in, in care homes. Uh, in Australia, for example, uh, specific incentives for the disabled and for the elderly. Uh, so yes, uh, we, uh, we do have some uh, examples uh, in other countries, but uh, uh, we need to tailor make that according to what we have in country, Malaysia. So the Asia Foundation Malaysia recently organised the Dialogue on Care Economy. Uh, who did this involve and what were some of the outcomes? The care economy is uh, relatively new uh, in Malaysia. Uh, and we organised uh, Care Economy Dialogue on March uh, 28th. Uh, we were very encouraged by, by the outcome. Uh, if I may just highlight uh, perhaps uh, three points. Number one is the uh, quality of participation. Uh, there were a few uh, influential role, role players, uh, namely from the National Council of Women's Organizations, uh, from the various ministries, uh, including Ministry of Women, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ministry of uh, Human Resources. Uh, secondly, we were also looking at uh, the discussion the, uh, that was very energetic. Uh, the uh, participants were very much involved in the discussion. Uh, and it shows that uh, uh, the interest uh, of care economy is very, very much uh, uh, alive and, and, and gaining uh, traction. Uh, where do we go from now? Uh, we, we did some analysis on the key issues and identified uh, at least three uh, issues that were frequently discussed. Uh, number one is on the professionalizing and regulation, regulation of standards of care workers. Number two is on uh, digitalization and innovation uh, to promote social entrepreneurship. And number three, on measuring the social and economic impact of care economy. Uh, of course, there needs to be uh, the ongoing advocacy and, uh, uh, and, and move towards creating more public awareness on care economy. G, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Ahmad Ikram, also known as G. He's the Senior Policy Advisor at the Asia Foundation Malaysia and is also their Care Economy Project Lead. And uh, that's what we've been talking about. We'd like to hear from you. How can we increase appreciation for our care workers? And what kind of support would you like when it comes to caring for your elderly family members? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be focusing on that second point, um, why the care economy is particularly important as we move towards being an ageing society. And for that, we'll be joined by Chai Sin Ting, who is Senior Research Officer of the Malaysian Research Institute on Ageing at UPM. So keep it here for that. BFM 89.9. Better Finance Management. BFM 89.9
It's 6.42. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila. And we're talking about the role of the care economy when it comes to uh, when it comes to moving towards an ageing society. Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. What kind of support would you like when it comes to caring for your elderly family members? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Joining us now is Chai Sen Ting. Senior Research Officer of the Malaysian Research Institute on Aging at UPM. Senting, thanks for joining us today. Hi, hi. So, to yes, it's a pleasure as always. <laughs> to start off with, according to data from the World Bank, at least 14% of people in Malaysia are expected to be aged by 2044. This is going to exceed 20% by 2056, so, which will basically put us into being a super-aged nation. Could you talk to us about the significance of this and the role that the care work will play in all of this? Yes, yes. Um, and I think that we, we are looking at uh, an increase in the share of older persons. I think the World Bank uses 65, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, definitely we are talking about uh, increasing demands for healthcare services, especially when you talk about the increase in longevity. So these are the scenarios that we are expecting. But it also has a lot to do with the compression of morbidity, whether our elderly population can uh, remain fit and healthy. Uh, so it's not just about the increasing percentage of older persons, and not just about the increase in life expectancy, but also healthy longevity. So these are some of the issues uh, that are involved. And do you think care work in Malaysia is evolving at the right pace to meet this potential demand that might be required in an ageing nation? I think it is still very much by uh, developments in the private sector. And I can see that over the years, we really lack uh, public financing, uh, public service provisions in long-term care. So that's something that we are probably still need some serious effort to catch up on and also trying to provide a clearer landscape for uh, operators and service providers. I mean, there have been some developments in, uh, in the years uh, recently, but it, it is still not really uh, enough uh, from a landscape point of view because we still really don't have uh, a proper community care uh, system. Uh, and, and I think Australia is burning through its third iteration. And, and they have home packages, age, home age care packages, as well as residential ones. And they have uh, financing structures uh, being put in place. But I think in this region, uh, it is still pretty much... Uh, uh, led by uh, the businesses, uh, the civil society groups, and we, we really lack uh, what we consider aging in place solutions. We, we, we usually tend to go for institutionalization or nursing homes, and we really have very little support for mobile care, actually. So if we hone in on specific challenges or issues, uh, if we look at recent headlines, for instance, there are um, there is a lack of um, care homes, uh, either not available or not affordable. What are some of the problems here? I think it's basically the uh, financing model, the structure that we like to to put in place. You know, we we can't even get national health insurance going, let alone uh, a long term care insurance. But but there are multiple issues at hand. The issue of uh, whether there are uh, such services being provided is, is one, uh, the affordability another, and really the oversight and the minimum quality of care issues is totally linked together. 
So I, I think at the end of the day, we are really looking at a situation where uh, we should stop and uh, not rely on domestic uh, care workers, but we don't have good alternatives. So we are, we are looking at uh, uh, society uh, solutions, societal solutions, community solutions that they're actually trying to be handled by the families themselves, you know, children, adult children pooling resources together to care for their aging parents or we, we lack what we consider a proper state-led uh, blueprint or some kind of a financing model or structure where we can actually have more of these services available to the general public. We, we, we do have home health programs, don't get me wrong, we do have uh, charitable uh, facilities, but considering the uh, growth in demand versus the supply, then we are really talking about there's insufficient uh, uh, beds and there's also really insufficient uh, uh, range of services that the future generations of elderly would aspire to. Now, aged or social care is sporadically provided by the public sector and it's referred to by the government as quote-unquote welfare. This comes under the Women, Family and Community Development Ministry. What does the use of that word tell us about how our society and um, I suppose our government views this sort of social infrastructure? Yes, of course. I think it's rooted in the uh, social welfare provision side. Uh, But whether it's health care or social care, I think uh, we have to understand uh, the historical development of such trends. It took us a long time to actually try to have a more positive uh, spin or view on uh, aging itself. You know, it used to be a welfare issue, and now it's slightly better. It can we can actually see that there is a growing uh, uh, acknowledgement that it can be a silver hair industry. It can be a care economy. It, it can contribute to growth and not just. Uh, a simple thing about as a burden or as some kind of a responsibility of the state or the family. But at the same time, we have to understand that uh, these developments uh, are difficult to, uh, to to change, you know, because at the end of the day, the government considers itself as the provider of last resort. So therefore, you know, most of the Rumasri Kenangans in Malaysia are really for destitute elderly, you know, and the Roma Esans really have very limited number of beds. So when we talk about government provisions for long-term care, we we really have to say that maybe in terms of uh, tertiary care, outpatient care, I think we are doing quite a bit to make it universal. But in terms of long-term care, in terms of uh, also labour market interventions, you know, we all know that uh, the care economy actually uh, involves mostly women. And at the same time, the government is trying to push for more women in the workforce. So the, the, there is going to be something that has to give in either of these uh, uh, moves. And unless the government addresses the care, uh, the gaps in the care economy, it cannot meaningfully get more women out in the workforce. And, uh, and this is not just about aged care, it's also child care, it's also other uh, aspects of care for the disabled and the vulnerable. So I suppose this is the issue here that when we talk about the government viewing it as a social welfare issue, probably yes, very much so in the past 10, 20 years ago, probably. But I think there is a growing awareness with the new national policy for older persons and even with the national 
healthcare uh, policy for older persons, there's greater awareness that this is a developmental issue, this is a life course issue, and we should address it uh, from a different perspective. So along that path of moving or looking at other models that might potentially work, there have been calls for the government to uh, examine perhaps community-based care services, home-based mm-hmm. care, community True. day centres, um, and these are being seen as more accessible than the traditional notion of a care facility. What do you make of this and uh, what would need to happen? Uh, what, we need, what do we need to make this happen? Yeah, definitely community and home care uh, models are not only more accessible, it's actually definitely cheaper in terms of cost. But the issue here is actually about uh, regulations. It's the same thing with residential care. Act 802 was just passed in 2018, the Private uh, Aged Healthcare Facilities and Services Act. And of course, uh, community care and uh, home care, or we call them mobile care, is actually still relatively unregulated at the moment because uh, there's really very little oversight. There's really very little uh, uh, monitoring of such uh, service providers. But at the same time, what we really need to ask is that, you know, if we are going to leave it to purely market forces, or are we going to say that we need uh, some help maybe from the civil society group to be the deliverer, to be the person, to be the actors to actually deliver these services uh, to the residents or to the uh, elderly at home. So the question here really now is that what is viable for the government, what is viable for the market, and how can we make this uh, more equitable to families uh, with older persons? So in in other countries, uh, they probably even have uh, assistance or compensation for uh, people who actually give up their work to take care of their family members. So these are some of the things that we have to actually uh, look into and think about because how do we make community and home care more accessible, more affordable, while at the same time compensating families who are doing their bit to actually care for their own family members. You can't be putting incentivizing uh, uh, community and home-based care while you are just ignoring the uh, family or children who are actually caring for their parents. There is also a opportunity cost here that's lost. So we have to look at the uh, incentives and the trade-offs carefully. But at the same time, uh, there has to be some form of a financing model uh, for the country in the long run because it cannot all come out from uh, general revenue of the government. That would not really be sustainable nor ideal. So you touched on this already, um, really, in your answer there. But um, the reality is, as we wait for viable solutions, the burden, both financial, emotional, um, of caring for the elderly is largely being placed on the families. Um, We're hearing about the sandwich generation, for instance. Um, What are some potential solutions that take into account the fact that for many families, accessing professional care might not be feasible? Correct. There has been some really good developments, especially on social assistance front. It used to be that the Bantuan Orang Tua, now Bantuan Warga Emas, is predicated upon the condition that the elderly must live alone. Now they have moved away with that uh, requirement. So there is a growing recognition that, you know, if a low-income household is caring for an elderly the elderly can still request for support because it is a condition of the household. So you are trying to say that, you know, we have to figure out uh, more incentives to actually say, 
not to say reward, but also recognize the effort of unpaid family caregivers. This is this is something that is always uh, omitted in many of our discussions because we always tend to look at it from a service provider point of view. So, as you mentioned earlier, the family provides the bulk of care to most of our elderly today. And a lot of their sacrifices, a lot of their hard work, even if it is not going to be recognized, it could be supported in a form of trainings or it can be supported in a forms of uh, maybe they could get respite assistance. So this is, a, again, a question of how do we uh, leverage on our very good coverage of uh, public health clinics and also on our uh, uh, community centers as well as our structures, parliamentarian uh, constituency offices, how do we actually try to get the local government, which has actually been left out in, in most of these discussions, because health is a federal issue and they are being delivered through the uh, federal ministries and their uh, district level uh, uh, entities. So this is something that we, we need to really talk about because it, it touches on the broader uh, reformations of the local government and how the local community can really uh, work on getting community care to families or households who need them. Because in, in other countries, their local government system is way different. You know, and in our country, our delivery structure is not quite the same. So at the end of the day, uh, we have to actually take some lessons from uh, other countries who have tried to implement uh, community home care packages. But at the same time, we have to figure out that what would be a better delivery model for us because uh, we clearly have a, a very different structure uh, for the whole thing. Sinthing, thanks for speaking with us today. Mm, thank you. That was Chai Sinthing, Senior Research Officer of the Malaysian Research Institute on Aging at University Putra, Malaysia, uh, speaking to us about the uh, role of the care economy uh, when it comes to Malaysia being an aged society. Keep those thoughts coming. What kind of support would you like when it comes to caring for your elderly family members? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.